opportunity to come before your throne of grace, Lord, that we would find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. We thank you, Lord, for helping us and blessing us, keeping us, allowing us to be in your presence again and again and again and again. We so honor and love you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen and praise God. So I thought we'd go to the book of Esther and talk about how it can turn around for you in one day. Amen. How that we would expect immediate turnaround, quick turnaround. Don't don't ever get uh, slow in your faith where you let it. You expect it to drag out. That's that's really not biblical. Uh, even though it may continue for a season, uh, there's a season where a seed has to lie dormant before it breaks through into the earth. Even when the ground is hard, and so we don't want to harden our own ground by uh, believing that it'll take forever for certain things to happen and take forever for things to manifest sometimes we have to check ourselves that we keep ourselves encouraged in the Lord amen and when I say that I mean that when you think about some of the things that you're waiting for God to do some of the things that you've been praying for that have not happened yet make sure you leave your mind with an encouraging note there Man, you have to leave your mind with an encouraging note. And uh, it's, it, let me tell you the difference. Let me tell you what people generally will do. If you, if you are waiting for something to change in your life, like you, you want, say, the, the um, deliverance or salvation of a loved one, or you got somebody that's backslidden, you want to see them come back to the Lord. Sometimes when you think about it, if you're not careful, a discouragement will set in. And then you'll start telling yourself reasons why it hasn't happened yet. Everybody been there? And so instead of letting your mind process it that way, because see, every time you give a reason or an excuse, you give permission for that thing to remain the way it is. You don't have to add that in there. You got me? Like sometimes we'll say things like, well, well, uh, the reason or the reason uh, they're backslidden is because uh, they, it's so-and-so that they hang around with too much. See, that may help you to feel better that you have an understanding of what's going on. Number one, it's not necessarily true. I mean, you know that and I know that because you, you're just guessing at something. See, the human mind wants to massage itself and make itself feel better. We don't like questions unanswered because in, in the natural, you've got to supply the answers anyway. In faith, God supplies the answers. So you'll know if you're in faith or if you're over in the natural realm because you'll add in something that makes it make sense to you so you don't feel like you you, you don't have a grasp on things, which you really don't. But we don't like to feel that way. You know, you'll see people embellish answers that they give because they add something to the story because it makes sense to them that, you know, that's where it is and it doesn't have to be true. And oftentimes it's not true. We just kind of add things in to make ourselves feel better that we understand something. You know what I'm saying? And your answer can be just as wrong as mine is. So why don't we just skip that? 
And don't let that start taking over in your thinking because what will happen is you'll you'll get satisfied that you have an answer and you don't have the answer that you're looking for. You got you got some kind of excuse running around in your head, you know that. Like for instance, people who are, are separated or divorced, there's always somebody else in the picture that that's the reason my husband don't come home or my wife don't come back to me is because that other person over there is entertaining them well you don't know that that's just what makes sense to you and so we have to stop the the carnal input in our thinking and start flipping over into faith and when i say flip over into faith all you do is say father i thank you that that person is coming in that person today you're working on that person's heart to turn them around because you are a faithful god i thank you lord that my prayer will be answered in due season i thank you lord to hasten your word to perform it on my behalf that kind of stuff and give me peace about my situation right where I am and and quit the crazy input because what happens is that your faith will diminish if you keep adding reasons in human reasoning does nothing to help supernatural faith all you need to help supernatural faith is to keep faith <laughs> to keep uh, strengthening it with the word of God and keep understanding that God's word will come to pass if you consider not the things in the natural amen we talked about Abraham considered not his own body well you can't consider anything else in the natural that you think may be hindering the answer to your prayer because nothing's hindering it Amen. If you got faith, nothing's hindering it. So you just need to hold on to your faith where that thing is concerned. So if you turn to Esther chapter 2, we're going to talk about how things look very, very bleak. And I don't think anybody's quite in this position, but it couldn't have looked more bleak for the Jewish nation than it did during the time of Esther. And there's some important points that that I think we can understand from this um, excerpt, and and uh, and so we'll bring those out uh, as we go through. But <clears throat> it's always a good thing to understand how and why God turns things around for us, and how to effectually see that happen for yourself in anything that you're expecting God to do. Uh, If it's a loved one, if it's a church situation, if it's a city, there's always something that God has his people involved in that needs a turnaround. So if you need it, you need something, Ms. Clyde? Oh, okay. Oh, I'm sorry. I just was thinking, I saw you looking for paper. I said, well, I think she got her paper. I don't know what else. I said, you want a book to write on or a shoe to write on? That was your ink pen, whatever, whatever. But um, anyway, when we, when we think about the fact that God wants us to participate in his kingdom activities down here on earth, you'll realize that there are always things that we can learn and grow in and, and mature in and do a better job at, be a, be more skillful with the word. Uh, you know, it's not like you got born again just to get one prayer answered. 
you know we always call that the biggie uh, for lack of a better term because there's always something that drives us to God but after he gives you the biggie then what do you do take your marbles and go home no you you are supposed to be working uh, for a kingdom not just you so the kingdom is more than you and it's more than the things that you have immediate knowledge of and so in Esther chapter one you see I'm just going to give you an overview of that one because what happens in chapter one is there's a little minor rebellion well I wouldn't call it minor but the king is having a festival uh, His the men are separated in their festival from the women uh, for obvious reasons if men don't want you following them somewhere don't go you understand me if they don't want your kids following them don't try to make the kids go too and uh, just let them have their space and so the women had a separate festival the queen was in charge of their festival he was in charge of his well at a certain point they were this this thing went on for about a week and so the king called for the queen to come over and he just wanted her to to present her to all of the people there and so um so it was really a bunch of drunks and she was sick of it and she said I ain't coming <laughs> she probably drunk herself <laughs> she gonna get sober real quick though that <laughs> girl gonna get real sober and so uh, um, she refused and it kind of stunned him and made him angry and so he went to all his important people and they discussed what should be done you know king has counselors you know kings when they get mad they have authority to cut your head off so it's a good thing counselors are standing by amen to help them in the decision making it's like we have a president he has a cabinet he has uh, different different uh, um, department heads and, and secretaries of this that and the other and so when we uh, understand how um uh, authority operates then it's a good thing that they have counsel because many times emotion will cause people to get carried away too far and uh, you know that that's how uh, you know situations get out of hand and so the the the, uh, the counselors told him he said well you know if it gets around and she's bossing you around everybody's old lady gonna get so we don't want no trouble at home we don't want these to get out this this whole kingdom can turn upside down if we let this stand so he fires her he gets a divorce he divorces her she's removed from her position but then after a while he said you know I still don't have me no queen let me find me a queen and so uh, she he goes about searching they start the search for and of all the young unmarried women all the young virgins in the kingdom he's going to um choose the the one that looks the best and and all this wonderful stuff and so it says and uh he he uh in in chapter two the king's servants set this up and and so they start to look for eligible women throughout the kingdom it just happens now now this is the the kingdom of um modern day iraq it's it was syria then the media the uh, persian empire 
And so it was a pretty vast kingdom. I mean, it was huge. And there were people scattered throughout the kingdom. And at this time, the Jews were captive in this kingdom. They had turned away from God. Whenever you see them uh, working for somebody else, living in somebody else's property besides their own, it's because they have backslidden and turned away from God. And so it happens that they are are um, captive here. And But certain of them are able to make it big, so to speak, in the new place. And whenever you see God moving his people into positions of authority and into positions of power, uh, right next, say like in a secular kingdom, you'll see a Christian there doing a job for God. And they're able to move freely about to do what they need to do. They're not compromising. They're not uh, lowering their standards, kind of like Daniel did when he was uh, assigned to the palace. Um, uh, The same thing here with Mordecai, who is Esther's cousin. And so uh, Mordecai, uh, because Esther's parents are both dead, she's an orphan, he adopts her as his daughter. And Mordecai has ascended to a place, a prominent place, in the king's palace. And so he's walking back and forth in the palace, and he's allowed to have some freedom. Uh, It's not certain what his job is, because you don't, really see him interacting with anybody but he's there in the palace for that reason many people or scholars um, uh, interpret that as meaning that he represents the Holy Spirit because he has no it seems like nobody's his boss Except the king, but he doesn't ever really report to him personally. He's just hovering around Esther and hovering around the palace. He's hovering around waiting for something, whatever it is that he's on assignment for, and we'll we'll get to know what that is. Uh, the book of Esther really doesn't mention God necessarily, except in a... a, a um, second or third it's God is not the focus in other words and so it's thought of to be more of an allegorical study even though it is factual historical fact but there are some positions in this story that we need to understand work throughout the history of God with man and one of them is if Mordecai represents the Holy Spirit then the Holy Spirit hovers over the earth he hovers over kings he hovers over kingdoms he hovers over people he hovers over God's people so he is there to keep watch on things and keep an eye on everything and so Mordecai decides to to tell Esther to uh, he he allows her to be part of the women who are chosen to kind of like compete uh, in the the Miss uh, the Miss uh, Persia contest I guess you could call it and so she is uh, for a year she's being allowed uh, certain things to beautify herself and and all of that and it's kind of interesting Uh, kings are not hasty in choosing who they marry all these people in the in, in God's kingdom all these Christians calling each other kings and queens have no clue what that's about 
Yeah, we don't even have royalty in this country. So unless you get your information strictly from the Bible, you're just making stuff up. But kings are not hasty in choosing a queen. And queens are not pursuing kings. You got me? And so we have to have to understand how this thing works so that you can find the connection God has or wants you to have with somebody. You won't connect with the right person if you're out of order with it. And so know that uh, when when you're ready, you, you pray yourself into readiness. You obey yourself into readiness. You do the things God tells you to do to get yourself ready for marriage. Don't be so adamant against everything that speaks to uh, uh, humility. You got me? Uh, you know, you hear, I hear women say, well, I don't like to cook. Well, you like to eat. I mean, how stupid is that? How do you think you're going to eat if you eat? Well, let me move on because I don't have time to stop there. But these things are, are considered to be, um, you know, right as far as the world is concerned. The world applauds that because then they can get you in the strife when you do get married. And your husband's expecting you to learn how to, to take care of the house. And he goes to work and you, you know, run around and do what you want to do. But I don't want to cook. Well, what do you want to do? You understand what I'm saying? And so these are normal. This is normal. If you live by yourself, you got to feed yourself. You understand? You might as well learn how to use that stove because it keeps showing up in every house or apartment you rent. You understand what I'm saying? You might as well learn how to use it. The microwave's optional. You bring that in there, but they supply a stove and a refrigerator every place you rent. You understand what I'm saying? Now, you'll own something one day if you learn how to use them. But that's something different right there. I'm not going down that street. I said I wasn't going to go. I ain't going. No, I'm not going down that street. No, no, no. Stop it. Stop it. Because y'all don't want me to go down there. Y'all just laugh and keep on bringing McDonald's home. I said, Lord have mercy. Anywho. So anyway, in Esther, we'll read a little bit, Esther, chapter, I want to get to chapter 3. Well, it looks like chapter 2. I just want to show you how Mordecai interacts here. So you'll get a picture when, when scholars say he appears to represent the Holy Spirit, you, you'll understand. It says in Esther chapter 2 verse 5, Now in Shushan the palace there was a certain Jew whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jair, the, of, uh, the son of Shimei, the son of Kish, a Benjamite. So he was a relative of who? Son of Kish. King Saul. Amen. So so he was a, a relative of King Saul. Uh, the Benjamites were a very fierce, warring people. Very proud people. Uh, people who didn't bow and bend real quick. You got me? They were very, very skillful warriors. You didn't play with them people uh, and who had been carried away from Jerusalem with a captive captivity which had been carried away with Jeconiah the king of Judah from whom Nebuchadnezzar the king of Babylon had carried away and he brought up Hadassah that is Esther his 
his uncle's daughter, for she had neither father nor mother. Now here we have another spiritual, no beginning and no end kind of person. You got me? So this is why people look at it in kind of an allegorical way. Because you, you, you see where Esther comes from, but she's got nobody that she's... Uh, um, responsible to or or um you know she's kind of like there by herself waiting to be what adopted so she is in a way a picture of the bride of christ of course waiting for the spirit of adoption to get her into the right kind of family and if if mordecai represents the holy spirit then this is a spiritual um adoption that she's having similar to the bride of christ and so there they are in Babylon, and he brought up her up as her, his own daughter, uh, whom Mordecai, when her father and mother were dead, took for his own daughter. So it came to pass, when the king's commandment and his decree was heard, and many maidens were gathered together to the palace, to the custody of Haggai, that Esther was brought also into the king's house, to the custody of Haggai, keeper of the women, and the maiden pleased him. So here's the the beauty pageant inspector, and she uh, goes through the first cut. Amen. The first cut of the talent talent phase. Yeah, she kind of passed the looks phase, so she's going on to the talent phase next, whatever. And she obtained kindness of him, and he speedily gave her things for purification. With such things as belong to her, and seven maidens which were uh, to be given to her. So he's giving her the, the products that she needs to groom herself, to make herself beautiful, and he's giving her people to wait on her and apply these. So she's got like seven beauticians. You know, we you know if if it was modern day, she's got a makeup person, she got a person, she got a masseuse, she's got a, a um, what they call it, those um, people that pick out your clothes, what they call stylist. She's got, I mean, she got the entourage. You understand? She got seven of them. And so she's she's one of those persons that what I used to call, I say I call it it. Yeah. See, in, in the in the fashion and beauty industry, they look for women with it. Now, the thing about it, nobody knows what it is. Nobody knows where it comes from. They know they can't give it to you, but they know it when they see it. And if you got it, you got it made. They'll say things like, you'll say, well, you know, I, I want to lose a few girls. Don't worry about losing no pounds. You got it. We put some girdles on you. We put some hair on you. We put everything on you. But you got it. So the it factor is what people look for. Amen. They want to invest in people that have it. We all know people that are gifted people or people who stand out, so to speak. That's it. We don't know what it is, but you got it. Amen. And so they, they kind of gravitate toward They'll invest in it. That's all I'm saying. So there's an investment being made in Esther because of it. 
and it is what God gives her. That's what stands out. It's a it's a God thing. It's what it is. So Esther had not showed her people nor her kindred. Mordecai told her not to. So here she's under the authority of what we can say the Holy Spirit. She's been picked out, but she's not there yet. So she's careful to stay under the authority that God has placed over her. Now when every maid's turn was come to go into the king after that she had been 12 months according to the manner of women for there were six days of their purifications accomplished with six months with oil of myrrh, six months with sweet odors and all of those things for the purifying or beautifying. They say purifying but you would say beautifying. Uh, And then came you know they take the rough edges off if you bite your nails they make you stop you know that kind of stuff and so they came every maid unto the king whoever she, she desired was given her to go with her out of the house to the women to the king's house in the evening she went and on the morrow she returned and to the second house of the women aha so she's been elevated and screened out of the 2,000 girls that started in the Miss America pageant now she's in like the last hundred or whatever and so she came into the king no more except the king delighted in her and that she would be called by name. So in the turn of Esther, the daughter of Abihel, uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her for his daughter, was come to go into the king. She required nothing but what the chamberlain said. She was not a demanding, she was not a diva, in other words, okay? Oh, I can't go in. You got to get give my man. Give a weave tight. I got to go in there. No, we just go in, get the necessary, still under authority. And so Esther was taken to the king to his house his house royal in the 10th month in the 7th year of his reign and the king loved Esther above all women she had it and it was purified and perfected she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins in that nation so that he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen and Vashti was gone that sister was gone Amen. And so uh, once she's fired, somebody, you know, that's the thing about uh, um, God, when God chooses you, don't get upset if you don't seem to be the first pick. You got me? You know, now I've had people call me and say, you know what, I, I've been wanting to have you come and speak. And I was like, yeah, what is it this time? <laughs> you know, you know, you go hear a story. And it's an emergency. Well, we had a speaker and they 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 bailed on us. Would you come? Would you come? Would you come? And so I don't get offended because people make mistakes all the time. I said, listen. I said, don't worry. I will be there. I said, if God went through this kind of trouble to get me there, I'm coming. But then I just try to reassure people. I said, I said, you know. Anything could, I said, I know you were probably sure you needed that person. I said, but sometimes God wants to do something different. I said, and he'll have them cancel. You know, I said, don't feel bad. I said, it's happened to me before. I said, you know, it, it just happens that way. I said, so we'll expect God to do something really, really miraculous. You know, you, you just try to make them feel better because they're embarrassed. They don't want to tell you you weren't the first person they thought of. They want they don't want you to feel like an emergency subject. Substitute, you know, which is what you are, but hey, it's all good. 
as life in the in the kingdomhood, you know. And so, <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> you know, you just got to do what you got to do. But uh, you know, I, I I was trained in a women's ministry where that would happen sometimes, and and my superiors always said, well, it's just, this is who God wanted, you know. This this is the way it is. We thought we had the right person, um, and it might have been right for the time we booked them. That might have been three months ago. And then all of a sudden it's right up at the minute and, and there's a change to be made. And so we, we just go on living. But Esther was a replacement queen. Hmm? She was not the first first pick. Uh, the first pick got disqualified. And so the qualifying and disqualifying is of God. You ever remember that all the time? The qualifying and disqualifying is of God period he raises some up he puts some down he will qualify people that you like and he'll qualify people you don't like he'll qualify sometimes the most unlikely people and to some people the most unlikable people he will qualify and so we have to look at the fruit we have to look at the it factor you can't look at what your your head tells you is proper or what your head tells you is the right thing to do Uh, you have to look at the it factor and the it factor comes through god so in chapter three we see uh mordecai who is um um uh, in the palace, and like I said, nobody can tell you what his job is. But there is some activity going on in the palace. There's a man by the name of Haman who now has been promoted to the second one next to the king. And so Haman is, is there with the king's servants. And uh, when he comes in, because of his prominence now, he watches to make sure everybody bows to him. But Mordecai never bows. Now, um, um, Haman is a, a descendant of the Amalekites, the long-term enemies of the Jewish people. You never bow to your enemies. That signifies your submission to them. You got me? So this is why one of the main reasons. He, the, the, the other thing is that if he does represent the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is God. He's supreme. So he can't bow to anybody except, of course, the king. He has to give respect, give honor where honor is due, etc., etc. But because Haman is uh, an Amalekite for... Um, uh, Mordecai to bow to him would mean submission and surrender uh, to a long-standing enemy, and you just don't do that. Now you can make peace with them, but you cannot submit and surrender to them. And so, in verse five, chapter three, when Haman saw that Mordecai bowed not, nor did him reverence, then Haman was full of anger, and he thought scorn to lay hands on Mordecai alone. For they had showed him the people of Mordecai, wherefore Haman sought to destroy all the Jews. So it wasn't enough for him to deal with the one person that he disliked. He thought, I'll get rid of all of them. 
Now this is one thing the enemy is always after. This is why it's so important when you find out the will of God and you find out God's pick for something, you got to support and encourage and pray for that person's success. You know, it's not like, uh, you know how sometimes people will say things like, um, well, God's going to, uh, uh, God's going to judge uh, all of the the people, the the ministers in his kingdom that aren't doing the right thing, and then you know Christians go yay on the inside. They don't say it on the outside, but there's like get rid of this one. I don't like. I don't like this one. I don't like that one. I don't like that. Get rid of them. But if something happens to them. We're next. You got me? Now, if it's God, God will will set somebody down if they're not living up to his standards. But let God do that. But we don't. Like like when when Saul and and, uh, Jonathan were killed. And that young man came and reported to David and expected to get a reward. David put him to death. He said, you know, don't publish this for our enemy. Don't go bad-mouthing us. Don't go broadcasting what's going on here you know and uh, he begins to lift up Saul in in his death and and so forth and and so there's there's only so much happiness you can get about these things because when it's your turn you're going to want somebody to pray for you you understand what I'm saying and so you can't get real excited about uh, this kind of thing and so here we have Haman uh, wanting to get rid of all of the Jews. So when you see one Christian hurt, that hurts everybody. When you see one who isn't ha- able to hold on, then, then that, that hurts everybody. There are parts of the body of Christ that are not functioning the way they should because the enemy's taken them off captive and said something stupid in their head and they believed it. And so we have to be careful our response and our reaction. Now, does that mean you go running off chasing people, following them if they decide they want to separate from God's people? You let them go. You understand me? You're not a shepherd. If you're not that pastor, you're leaving people alone. Because God has to deal with people and he has to make sure people understand the terms of themselves reconnecting. You got me? You just don't breeze in and out of this is you know it's not a revolving door in God's kingdom. There's you've got covenant rules to cover. You know when people reject God or reject His people or whatever, whatever. You know you need to make amends with people. You know you need to have something where you can clear the air. You know, where you go to that person and say, you know what, I left here, I was offended, I was hurt, I was, you know, in pain, I was this, I was that, or I ran out of money, or I couldn't do any better, or whatever, whatever. But but you're, you have relationship with God's people. You're tied together with the blood of his son. And so that requires some kind of reconciliation work, you know, or other than that's revolving door people don't know what to make of you you know you come and go you breathe in and out whatever that's not what the church is for the church is for you to make a family type connection with people and no more than if your children ran off and, and didn't talk to you for 10 years and they come back and they go oh mom you know hi what's for dinner uh, you got some explaining to do son you understand what I'm saying and so it, it's just proper to do things that way 
so that the reconciliation can it can be mended things can be straightened out and and people have an understanding of which way to go with you here going forward in the future and so when, when we see people get disconnected from God's body we want to see them reconnect again and so here Mordecai is is uh, um, about to be disconnected because Haman is so so angry and he wants to kill everybody so really Mordecai represents that whole nation of Israel whatever happens to him happens to everybody you got me when there's a breach in the body it affects all of the members and so you know it's good to be the person that ties people together and not kind of separates them out and so here the, the Haman goes to the king and gets this this bogus decree that you know he said hey king you know what there's some people you know now this kingdom was huge and there were people who came in and out uh, there were some people who were captive there they they won them in a war and then we got people who just come in to sojourn for a season and all of that so you're talking about a vast number of people but Mordecai says this about the Jews he says these people are stirring up trouble and they refuse to bow and, and obey your rules and my decision my thought is this if we can kill all these people it gives the king to, to give him a decree to give him permission to go through and kill everybody in verse 13 the letters were sent by post to all the king's provinces to destroy to kill to cause to perish all Jews both young and old children and women in one day the 13th day of the 12th month to take and take their stuff away and so you can see how easily motivated now just killing that ain't everybody's thing but when you say you can kill your neighbor think of all the people that covet and all the people who sit there and wish they could have what the neighbor had and they're looking across the fence and see all this stuff and you think hmm all I got to do is go over there and kill him and take it you got me and so this was something that appealed to people so the enemy has to give people something appealing to them and he will always give you uh, or put a tag on the backs of people that he wants to persecute and he wants to get rid of. He'll put a tag on your back to make it appealing to people to want to persecute you. Yeah, I mean, like a lot of the anti-Christian sentiment in this country appeals to people because they don't know God so this is their opportunity to feel superior to us because they say we're bigots we're racist we're homophobes we're I don't care if you're black and a Christian you don't count anyway you understand what I'm saying uh, to certain people liberal people don't really value people they kind of tend to use them as objects and manipulate and pawn you know we're just pawns in a game to them because they're godless people when you have godless people in authority everybody's expendable and so they will target groups of individuals that they call it identity politics they want to put you in a group 
They will put you in a category. They will slot you somewhere and tell you who you are instead of you determining your own identity, your own value, your own future. They just put you in a category. Uh, In this last election, they talked about the forgotten people of this country because people get so labeled through identity politics that you don't have a face and a name anymore. You're just slotted in a group of people, you know, redneck, deplorable, you know, all these little labels they put on people, you know, and you're supposed to be trying to be a leader over people and you demean them like that. And so when you don't think God's offended when people tell you you're not worth anything, you're made in his image. When you complain, when you put down somebody, you put down God. He's not going to stand for that. He is no more going to hand you the keys of the richest nation in the world. You understand me? And that's the way you feel about people? You're not going to get it. You're not going to get it. Man, never going to get it. And so you you hear this stuff. Now it's getting worse. You hear it spewed across the airwaves continually. You know, we don't they they don't want Christians in charge of anything. Amen. I remember when Pat Robertson ran for president. You talk about liberal people being scared, was scared to death. And when he started getting more power, and see what we're suffering through now is kind of a backlash because they know now that they're Christians. You can't intimidate us into not running for office. They're Christians who are bold enough and confident enough to get up and follow the leading of the Lord and just do what's right. So we need right people in in public office. You know, we need people that God can use. Now, not every Christian is, is the right person, but, but if you can get keep Christians from shrinking back when they know something is wrong and they know it needs to be stopped. They need to get on their knees and say, God, am I the one that you have chosen to do this? Amen. And if I'm not, you show me who is and I'll pray for that person and we'll push that person forward because we need to have an end to this stuff. And so when when this decree went out, it went out because Mordecai refused to bow to this heathen even though he was second in command in the government there's some things God will not allow you to do See, you're God if you really serve God and, and God tells you uh-uh, you don't do that or you've been trained not to bow to certain things certain things you just they're just distasteful to you you know you just don't do them you know and, and you've already got your mind made up about it and the enemy wants to confront you about it and try and change your mind. And see, the devil, if it weren't this situation, it would have been something else. He got me for, for Mordecai because he's always coming up with things to test us and tempt us to serve him and bow to him. And so because he won't bow, this puts him in jeopardy. He's on trial. And now Mordecai has to, to trust God for his deliverance. He's got to trust God. See, in situations, you're, you're always tempted one way or the other. Here, Mordecai has some position in the palace where he is 
um, he has some favor, some influence. We see him hovering around. We're not quite sure what his job is, but he's in the palace. And he has favor, and he's in the king's court off and on. He's everywhere he needs to be for the job he has to do. And so he could get in a position where God can really use him. But the other thing, he could play their game. See, he could go play by God's rules or he can play by the world's rules. And so he, Mordecai, is at a a pivotal point where he can go God's way or he can play by man's rules. He decides to go God's way. Some things that we're tested on should be established already in our hearts. You should already know what you're going to do in certain situations. You shouldn't have to wonder you know this is the right thing you you should know you got me you should know and so once you get that knowing inside of you and then god won't really promote wishy-washy people he'll promote people who have been long standing and standing and standing some more because people who have, don't have their minds made are up are not promotable you got me He's, Oh, I shouldn't have done that. You need to get your mind made up about what you believe about these things. So that when the test comes, you already know what you're going to do. You know, if you're married, you know you're not going to look at anybody else. You know, you just, you don't entertain. You're not looking for flattery. You're not looking for somebody to tell you how wonderful you are and all that kind of stuff. You've got your eyes and your mind fixed on your commitment. Got me? To, to your spouse and to your family. It's just that simple. So, And we should be that way about all things pertaining to God. shouldn't be out there entertaining stupid ideas. You know, you just, just let God lead you and be faithful in the leading of God. So Mordecai hears this bad news. And uh, if you go over to chapter 4, when Mordecai, verse 1, perceived all that was done, he tore his clothes. In other words, he's humbling himself before God tearing your clothes really means to humble yourself you know if you got on something important and pretty and you rip it that means I don't care about nothing else but what my mind is right here I got focused I got stuff to do and so that's that's what that always means is a sign of humility amen when it says rent his clothes put on sackcloth and ashes you put on your humble attire uh, you're not uh, like, for instance, with Job, when when he was on his sick bed, he was more or less in this condition. He was fasting before God. But then, when God spoke to him, what did he say? He said, "Get up and put on some clothes." Array. The fast is over. In other words, I've heard your prayer. Write that down. Y'all stare at me like, you know, this is all news to you. You're going to go to sleep in a minute and forget what you're doing because you can't remember everything. You know what I'm saying? It's like, come on now. Let's get with it. Let's be studious. Don't go to sleep on me because it's easy to do. Stay active. And you get this while you sit here. You won't have to worry what or wonder what was said. Like Chuck, that word was good. What's the preach on Chuck? I don't remember, but that word was good. 
Stuck to miss about 15 minutes taking her nap. <laughs> you know how it is. You know, you will go to sleep. I do this all the time when we have conference. You know, sometimes the message is good. Sometimes it's ah, so-so. Sometimes you can't follow it too well. But I keep her writing because I want to go to sleep on the front row. But, but it's good for you to note things because then you get a second witness for what you're hearing. It's always better. You get more out of it. And so... It says here the kings, and when he heard about it in 4 verse 1, he put on his fasting humble clothes. He got himself in a humble condition. Now, sackcloth and ashes meant you stayed that way until you heard from God. You got me? So if somebody comes up to you and say, why are you looking like that? Why are you looking like Man, i got to hear from God. I'm not thinking about no looking nice. I'm not thinking about getting dressed up. I'm not thinking, I don't care about my appearance. I don't care about anything except, and so it's, it's like uh, separating yourself from the world, separating yourself from the everyday, separating yourself unto God so that you can stay focused on God. Because if you care about how you look, the next thing you're going to do is forget to pray. And forget what you're doing. And so this was a serious move into the realm of the spirit so he could hear from God. He cried. He's walking around town in the middle of the city, hollering and screaming. Oh, Lord, what we going to do now? And that was done to draw attention for others who would want to pray as well. That was how you called people to prayer and called them to fasting. And so he cried with a loud and bitter cry and came even before the king's gate. So he roaming all through the city and his cloth and his ashes cried. He looking for help anywhere. And in every province wheresoever the king's commandment and decree came, there was a great mourning among the Jews. So they all knew what to do. When trouble comes, you need to know what to do. And they knew to to put away the pleasant bread, don't put on no glad rags, we ain't going out to party tonight, we is getting serious with God, amen. And so they were weeping and wailing, many lay in sackcloth and ashes, uh, in, in certain passages you will see when they were fasting, even the animals fasted. They did not feed their animals during times of fasting. And so this is a serious, this is like God, everything shuts down until we hear from you. You got me? People now run to get a word, get the, the quick fix, get the this, the, the that. I say get as serious as you can, whether you can get a word from somebody, because that word's got to penetrate inside of you and get planted in there and it can't get planted if you just skipping off with the word and think you got a, a quick answer and there's no no focus on it it helps you focus on the spiritual things it helps you draw away from the, the routine everything that keeps you busy all day long is a distraction from God. You need to get away from it so you can really hear from God on some things. Like some things, we we all have things that don't move fast in life. I'm telling you, if you get away from just paying attention to nothing and just focus with God on that thing, you can really hear from him. Your answer will come a lot quicker. 
I'm serious. You know, we don't we don't take these things quite seriously enough. But I'm telling you, your answer to everything is right here in this word. If we'll go ahead and do some of these things, fasting is not about not eating. It's about withdrawing yourself from anything that pleases your flesh and tantalizes your flesh. It draws you into your spirit so that you can hear spiritual things. Many people, I know people say, well, I fast television and I fast. That's a good thing to do. That's one of the bigger distractions that you have in your life is is that. Sometimes people take, I'm just going to take me a personal day off from work you know i just can't go in there and hear that noise right there i need to hear from god that kind of thing and so it's a proper thing to do if you really want to hear from god so all throughout the province there's weeping and wailing sackcloth and ashes verse 4 esther's maids and her chamberlains came and told her and then the queen was exceedingly grieved and she sent clothing to mordecai she sent clothing to Mordecai. Now, what does that tell you? Huh? That's like you decide you're going to go on a fast and somebody says, girl, come on, let's go out to dinner. That's fasting. That's that Old Testament stuff. You don't fast, do you? Oh, I got these. I got this free dinner. Uh, uh, buy one, get one free. Or, or it's the upscale restaurant. You can fast tomorrow, huh? So Esther decides to try and ignore the problem. Mordecai reads her mail. He's the one who ain't been eating. He's the one who's been out there crying. So he's the one who's probably closer to God than anybody, and he can probably pick up where she's coming from. And so Esther, she wants to put his clothes on. Huh? Look, Morty, come on now, honey. Don't, don't, you know, why are you so dramatic? What's the drama about? Put some clothes on. We can't look like that around here. You know, you got to look nice. You're at the palace, Morty. What's up with that? So and 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 he didn't put him. He refused it. Then Esther called Hatak, one of the king's chamberlains, whom he had appointed to attend her, and gave him commandment to Mordecai to know what it was and why it was. And you, Esther, you know what's going on. She's gonna question him through a second person. So Hatash went forth to Mordecai into the street of the city, which was before the king's gate. Mordecai told him all that had happened to him and of the sum of money that Haman had promised to pay to the king's treasuries for the Jews to destroy them. Also, he gave him a copy of the writing. So he told everything and said, show this to Esther and declare it to her and to charge her that she should go into the king. So she's got her instructions. She knows what needs to be done. And Hatak came and told Esther the words of Mordecai. And Esther spoke unto Hatak and gave him commandment to Mordecai. All the king's servants and all the people of, of the provinces do know that whosoever, whether man or woman. So, so she reads him back, her response, which says, in other words, I just can't go rushing up in the king's face. If he doesn't summon me. 
to come and talk to him. I cannot help you. And besides that, I haven't been in to see him in over a month now. And it's looking like this won't happen real soon, Uncle Morty. I don't know what I'm going to do, but, you know, the girl is doing the best she can. And so they told Mordecai Esther's words. And Mordecai answered them back. And he said, listen, sister, <laughs> don't think that you will get off scot-free and everybody else get killed. You are one of us, whether you think you are or not. You understand what I'm saying? He said, now you can go along with instructions. In other words, he has fasted and prayed and heard from God and told her the instruction. Check this out. If his instruction was good enough for her before she got all up there, how come it ain't good enough for her now that she all up there? And so Mordecai brings her down a few pegs to where she lives. And he says, don't think to yourself that you're going to escape because you're married to the king. He says, and if you don't go along with us and help us, God is going to get somebody else to help. And see, this is the truth. No matter who's in charge, who's the big deal, who's doing this and who's, we're all mortal people. We all go the way of all flesh. You're going to die one day. Somebody else is going to take that, that job even if you pass away. But if you live it and God wants it done, he's going to have somebody else do it. He said deliverance will be raised up for us through somebody else. Amen. So he said you take your choice. You can either do it or you don't. He says so if you all together hold your peace at this time, then enlargement and deliverance to the Jews will come from another place. But you and your father's house shall be destroyed. And he says this, in all <clears throat> and who knows whether you were called to be here for such a time as this. In other words, Esther, go slap yourself three times in front of the mirror and say, I ain't just here for pretty. You understand? I'm here for, for God, for his job. So Esther told them to return Mordecai to city. this answer. She humbles herself. Go get all the Jews that are present in Shushan and fast for me. Don't eat or drink for three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise. And so will I go to the king, which is not according to the law. And if I die, I die. Okay, so now the sister's on the same page with them. This is important whenever you fight for God. You've got to be on the same page with people who have heard from God and understand. I mean, you won't be able to get all the answers by yourself, yourself. You've got to learn how to connect with people of like precious spirit. Because God has a lot of people working for him. You may not know them all personally, but you will know them by the Spirit and you'll know when it's time to connect with them. Amen. And learn how to connect with people who hear from God, who know what God is doing, who understand the times and the seasons that we're living in. That this is not just church to them, like a building or a ministry, but it is kingdom business. And they understand how things go in the kingdom, how things move in the kingdom, how things are 
other structure in the kingdom and they know the next move that needs to be made so that we can see the glory of God this is what being on the same page is all about you got to be about seeing God move and do things you can't be just somebody who comes to sit a pew and go home after the day is over it's got to be more to your Christian life than that and so God is is looking for those kind of movers those kind of shakers them kind of people who know they've they've been called to work for him at this time and are looking for their instructions as to what to do I hope Esther didn't think she was just going to be there and have wear a crown all the time see that's why I, I get a little upset with this king and queen talk among Christian people you know queen this and queen that and you're my queen and queen that you, you know you don't even know what that means you're, you're a royal priesthood preserve you don't sit on a throne and so Esther found out she wasn't there just for pretty she there to risk her life just like the re- her life was in jeopardy just like everybody else's was but she was in a position to make a difference and you need to know that once you're anointed by God you are in a position to make a difference find out where you need to be what you need to do and get about making a difference learn how to pray until you get the leading of God for what your day is supposed to be like you know find out how what he wants you to do and how he wants you to prepare for people I can remember there would there would be seasons where I would fast until like six o'clock in the evening and I almost always would find somebody when I would go out that, that needed prayer for something you understand what I'm saying well the anointing is is enhanced I'm not poking burgers in my face all day long. You understand what I'm saying? You know, you you withdraw yourself more over into the spirit. Your spirit man gets stronger. He's more perceptive. He's able to to reach God faster. All that kind of stuff. So I was free to do that because I didn't have to keep like a schedule, you know, of certain things. So I just did what I felt led. I wasn't trying to be anything. I just didn't feel like eating. And when I would get out, I found that God needed me to pray for somebody you know pray for for healing or deliverance or whatever it was and so these are things that you got to you got to live on that kind of edge where you know who you are first and it's not just because I'm a preacher before I started preaching I lived like that I was a believer available to do whatever God wanted me to do and and need to get back in it stronger now you know because days are darker now and so we need more more times where we come away to the Lord to get what we need and so uh, on the third day Esther put on her royal apparel and she stood before the king she's going in uh, to see the king and so he sees her standing there and he invites her in she touches the royal scepter she's allowed to go in and speak to her in chapter 5 and so he, she, he asks her, what do you want? And she says, well, I want you and Haman to come to a banquet. I want, want to talk to the both of you. They sit down, have a little wine. Haman comes in and joins them and is like, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Oh boy, I'm important now. I'm getting ready to kill Mordecai. I'm getting ready to get rid of all them pesky people of his. And the king has invited me in and the queen too. And she got people feeding me. I couldn't be happier and higher than what I am right now. So 
uh, verse 9 says, Then Haman went forth that day joyful with a glad heart. But when Haman saw Mordecai in the king's gate and he doesn't stand up, he said, Man, this guy didn't blew my good mood. I was feeling like an important person, and there he is reminding me that I'm not. Some people are created to bring you back to normal. You know? Like I have a, a, I know somebody I work with professionally, and they're telling me they're a Christian, but they never do anything Christian-like. So whenever that I get a chance to, and the conversation comes around there, I remind them what Christians really do. I say, well, I was feeling good about what I was doing until I talked to you. I said, you can do better, can't you? Well, yeah, I guess I could. I said, well, get to getting there. Come back when you got some real to report to me. But you know what I'm saying? Let's get with it, folks. This fake Christianity stuff is for the birds. I don't have a stomach for them. Jesus said, if you're lukewarm, yeah, you know, you, you make me want to vomit too. You know, you don't like that stuff. So he says, Haman, well, he was joyful and everything, and Mordecai didn't bow to him as usual. He was full of indignation. But he said, mm, I'm not going to strike now. I'm going to make a big production. He said, tomorrow, when I, or day after, whenever it is, when I get a chance to kill Mordecai, I'm going to make a big production out of it. And so he goes home. And, and talks to his family, you know, his wife's there trying to find out how his day went and all this. And he says he refrained himself in verse 10. And when he came home, he sent and called for all his friends. He said, oh, Lord, we're going to have a celebration and bragging to his wife. Huh? You know, God anointed me and I'm going to do this. I got a prophecy and all yeah, we do sometimes. He told them of the glory of his riches and the multitude of his children and all the things that the king had promoted him. And he advanced him above the princes and servants of the king. Haman said, however, yeah, Esther the queen did let no man come into the king and to the banquet she had prepared but him and me. And tomorrow I'm going to go back and sit with her and the king. And he said, but you know, there's something that still bugs me. There's a fly in my ointment. There is something that I just can't get over. Huh? See, this is how the enemy sees us when we don't bow to him. His day is not complete until he can get all the Christians. Because he's got most of the big ones that we know to some degree or another. There's some compromise. Almost everybody you see... The the gospel does not have the cutting edge it should have. They left poor Billy Graham, the only one really preaching the true black and white gospel. Billy Graham would tell you this may be your last opportunity. Don't leave this stadium. If God's tugging at your heart, don't leave out of here. You may not have tomorrow. And people, well, that scares people. They need to be scared. Are you kidding me? We're talking about eternity. If that don't scare you, nothing will. But see, the average church minister now won't tell people the truth. Because if you scare people, they won't come back. If you don't, we want it to be seeker friendly. Well, they ain't seeking God because you don't give them enough understanding of who God is to want him. 
And so we we have to be careful, folks, that, that people are going over the deep end, diving in, leaving away from the purity of the gospel, leaving the truth, fearful about speaking up. All this stuff is, is part and parcel of compromise and so and the devil hates it he hates it if there is one person left who will not compromise he wants everybody over in his yard he finds somebody that won't bend and won't bow he'll do whatever he can to uh, separate them to keep them apart from God to keep them persecuted and and not encouraged and not doing what they need to do all this stuff because he's not satisfied unless he got everybody and that's that's what what Haman is he represents Satan himself who is not satisfied unless he can get everybody bowing to him but if if you're the only one left who's standing you keep standing you just you know if you you know sometimes you're you're the only Christian in the family only Christian in the household only one who's really sincere about God you know that's that's a place of honor to me you know you, you wear it as a badge of honor because you know you it's you that's keeping the rest of them from going to hell you know what I'm saying He's, who's going to stand in the gap for them if you give up and go the other way amen so Zara said to his wife and all his friends uh, let a gallows be made Ooh, 50 cubits high it's going to be so high and tomorrow speak to the king that Mordecai may be hanged on it then go in merrily to the banquet <laughs> and the thing pleased Haman and he had him build the gallows 50 feet high he said and then on that night for some reason the king could not sleep you need to know sleepless nights are often of God people take pills so they can go to sleep you need to wrestle through whatever is bugging you that night and find peace with God if you don't know God you need to find him you got me because he can be the one who's keeping you up and so it says here on verse 6 verse 1 on that night the king couldn't sleep he commanded that the book of the records and the chronicles be brought to him and read to him and it was found written that Mordecai had told Bixah Big, uh, Big Sana and Teresh, two of the king's chamberlains, the keepers of the door, who sought to lay hands on the king. And the king said, What honor and dignity was given to this Mordecai for saving my life? Because they took those men to trial and questioned them and found that they were trying to kill the king. And so he said, and the king said, uh, the 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 um, the uh, person who ministered to him said nothing was done for him so kings don't like debt they don't like to owe anybody anything it's a blemish against their reputation see and all the kings and queens on facebook <laughs> that's owing everybody everything you understand what i'm saying it, it just I just threw that in there just because I mentioned it before about the king and queen stuff being fake and phony. But if you're really a king, you have a certain reputation to keep before humanity. And why are you on there begging people to give you stuff? And telling people you need an offering and complaining that your church don't give enough and all that. I mean, if you're a king, you don't. Hello, come on now. You should be supplying to your congregation instead of looking for something from them. 
But anyway, we move on. So he, he says, uh, he said, nothing was done for him. And the king said, who is in the court? Haman was in the outer court of the king's house to speak to the king to hang Mordecai on the gallows that he had prepared for him. And the king's servant said, oh, Haman's standing out there. And king said, well, let him come in. King needs a servant in lofty position to do this honor for him. So... Uh, he he came in the king said to him what shall be done you know i'm going to riddle you this there is a certain man that i want to honor now haman thought in his heart to whom the king delight to do honor more than myself he says he's talking to me about me well let me put in my two cents so i get the best of the best of the best of the best of the best Haman answered the king, For the man whom the king shall delight to honor, number one, let royal apparel be brought. Bring the royal tailors in with the finest wear and the horse that the king rides on. I want your horse. I want your clothes. And the crown royal which is set upon his head. And let this apparel and horse be delivered to the hand of one of the king's most noble princes, that they may array the man with all of them. We're going to have a big ceremony about this. I'm going to put your crown on. We're going to put me some royal robes on and all that kind of stuff. And let him ride horseback through the streets of the city and proclaim, Thus it shall be done to the man who delights in the king. So everybody going to announce this. We're going to a big party. We're going to a big procession. Then the king said to Haman, he said, Okay, hurry up then and take all this and give it to Mordecai. And Haman go, Huh? Say, Huh? You know, the Jew that sits outside there, the one that's been wailing and, and, and wearing dirty clothes all this time, it's time for him to be elevated. Overnight, folks. Overnight. It'll change for good for those who are waiting on God. It'll change for to bad for those who are looking for their demise. Man. And you've got to be aware that people are looking for the demise of Christians every day. There are people who hate us. They they get on social media and they tear Christians down. They are convincing other Christians to tear each other down. And so you have to be aware that this kind of stuff goes on, spiritually speaking, continually. This is, this is why we pray. This is why we stand. This is why we fight. So that these spiritual forces cannot carry out the evil that they intend to carry out against Christians. You got me? If the devil will take your job, he'll take your kids. If he, if he gets your kids, he gets your grandkids. He'll get your house. He'll get your car. He'll get everything that you own just because you serve God. And don't ever deceive yourself into thinking that you're not in a battle for your life but it can reverse in one day you stick with god it will reverse for you in one day so here haman is he's expecting to to be brought in on a royal horse with royal apparel and all this kind of stuff so with a, a, a very sour face i'm sure verse 11 haman took the apparel and the horse and put it on mordecai See, if you, this is what God means when he says your enemies will become your footstool. They will serve you. 
He will have your enemies to serve you because he's God. They don't deserve to have authority over you if you're obeying God. You continue to obey God, you only have one person to look up to, and that is God. So then God begins to to bless Mordecai for staying faithful to him. He brought him on horseback through the street of the city and proclaimed before him, Thus shall it be done to the man in whom the king delights to honor. And Mordecai came again to the king's gate, but Haman ran home to his wife, his mama. He ran home to wine to his wife, having his head covered. So he's the one, in fact, he's the one disguising himself so he can get home in one piece. Haman told Zeresh, his wife, and all his friends everything that had happened to him. Then it said his wise men and his wife to him, he said, oh, Mordecai the Jew? Oh, I thought you was talking about Mordecai the Gentile yesterday. <laughs> I thought you was talking about any old Mordecai somewhere. Yeah, we told you to build that gallows, but we didn't know who he was. You know, we knew eventually, if you talk about Mordecai the Jew, them people eventually get the upper hand on you. Because God don't let them people fall for nothing. I'm going to tell you right now, honey. I didn't really, um, you know, I'm I'm sorry. Okay, I'm real sorry. But I really didn't mean to say that yesterday because I wasn't sure who you was talking about. He said, but if Mordecai is of the seed of the Jews, and you just start to go downhill in front of them people, you going all the way down. No stopping embracing yourself before the fall. You going to free fall all the way down. Just like your father the devil did. He took a free fall all the way out of heaven. He messed that up bad. And he fell bad. And so he said, you will surely fall before him. And while they were yet talking, the king's chamberlains had hasted to bring Haman to the banquet. <laughs> so now he's nervous. He wants to run and go somewhere. He got to go and go to a party. Oh, Lord, have mercy. So, hey, Haman comes in pleading for his life, of course. He's trying to get in there and talk to the king say, hey, king, listen, I didn't really mean to do that. I didn't know you was going to elevate that dude. I just really didn't know. And so when Esther fingers Haman as the one who's behind killing her, the queen, and all her people, Mordecai, I mean, uh, the king orders Haman to be hanged on the gallows that he had built for Mordecai. Amen. And so he he put him on that 50 cubit uh, gallows that he had, had built for him. And they hung him and, and gave he gave everything that Mordecai owned to Esther. Esther, of course, turned it over to, um, I mean, Haman, everything Haman had owned to Esther, and Esther turned it over to her cousin Mordecai. And so it was, another decree was written that the Jews would be able to defend themselves from these people and how many of you know when God fights for you you don't lose a battle amen you the Jews because the king couldn't reverse his decree once is that something else about royalty they don't make excuses they don't shoot off at the mouth and promise things they can't perform and when they don't perform they don't 
try and get out of it. They make good on what they promised. So the king had, he couldn't rescind his decree. It was signed with his royal ring, but he could amend his decree write another one that's why our country don't don't tear up the constitution we amend it from what was originally spoken you've got to follow the original footprint you just can't tear it up and keep moving on and, and create something else and so that's the reason for having rules and, and order and things of that nature and so you know the story the jews were spared because of Esther's intervention she did not perish neither did Mordecai as a matter of fact they were elevated but this thing flipped around in one day see that's what God wants you to understand it can be looking dark bleak and terrible the night before but if you will stick with God and put yourself before him until you get your broken through into that answer and that answer comes to you that thing will turn around in one day it doesn't have to go on forever don't ever get comfortable with things not being the way God said you know in his order you can be without pain but I'm talking about getting comfortable that you don't care if it ever reverses for you you always be adamant that this thing will reverse because it really can happen in one day amen father thank you for your word for understanding thank you Lord for the, the delivery of your deliverance to your people we thank you Lord that you deliver your people from every darkness every peril and we love you and we honor you in Jesus name amen and praise God.